Good morning, Wisconsin. It's WTMJ Now. News, opinions, Wisconsin. Everything you need to know in the Badger State and beyond. Come give us your thoughts on the old National Bank talk and text line at 855-616-1620. Old National Bank. Get old. Here's your hosts, Steve Scafidi and Sandy Max. And I am here on this Wednesday. Happy hump day, everybody. And... Annie Schwartz joins me, Law Enforcement Hour, as we like to call it. Annie, welcome. Happy Wednesday. Wait. There you oh, go. Good. Uh, you know what? It's been. It's only been a week. You, you were forget. asking me something. You're People like, was forget. There, was there something from last week you wanted to touch on today? It was two I weeks said, ago. Steve, do you not know better than to ask me something from two weeks ago? <laughs> <laughs> so. And it's hot in the studio. Are you heating the studio up today? What's going on? I'm 63, here? Steve. I'm. I am. It is. I walk around. I'm a space heater, so I don't know. But yeah, it's really it's a little. I'm schwitzing a little bit over here. It's toasty in here. It today. is toasty. All right, I, so we're gonna we get come. we're gonna get right to it because I I was uh, we were oh you always chat before the the, the shows when you come on and um, the crime numbers are already in Milwaukee. So I, I always kind of want to do an overview on this. Generally, looking at the numbers, a lot of them have gone down, and there's this one metric that strikingly stands out, and that is carjackings up thirty six percent over the last two years. You know what I what I see is what I think other people see when they when they hear about crime numbers. Uh, and I don't work there anymore. Excuse me. I'm going to cough into your thing here. <clears throat> um, I don't work there anymore, so I don't know the story behind the numbers. But that's what I really want to hear is the story behind the numbers. Uh, I look at I I hear like I hear you know crime is down. But then I grabbed, and you and I were talking before the show, and I had a couple of printouts from some of the online media. And what are the two headlines? Crisis on the rise in the city of Milwaukee, armed carjackings. Milwaukee crime report, total offenses fall as carjacking and human trafficking spike. Now, I understood the Chief Norman's explanation for uh, the human trafficking numbers. It's a tough, it's a tough crime to crack. Uh, but the, the carjacking numbers... That's something that I that I worry about. You know, most people don't most people don't worry about homicide because they say, well, that homicide is a, usually a personal crime. Right. So when people hear that homicides are up, maybe they say, oh, that's that's scary. These are the kinds of, of things that that make people nervous. These are the things that make people move. Uh, when you hear that there are armed carjackings, somebody like me who's driving into into the studio this morning is is my head's on a swivel at a stop at a stoplight because I'm worried that I might be a victim. Now the argument is, of course, I should probably drive like that always. I should always be be mindful, be aware of your surroundings. as is one of the you good know is one of the good practices. Mm -hmm. But the the fact that these these carjacking numbers are up, these armed carjacking numbers are up, is is really that is something that scares me as Annie Schwartz, resident of Milwaukee. We have a little audio from uh, Chief Jeffrey Norman talking about this. So it, it's an interesting take. And I was reading it in the uh, reporting that I was reading yesterday from the Wisconsin State Journal on on some of the ideas why that number in particular has gone up. And and uh, I don't want to steal the thunder from the, the clip, but he he basically said we're not sure if the crews have shifted from car theft to carjacks. We have that audio. Oh, he's still in your car, too. Caught on video across Milwaukee, 343 people have been carjacked so far in 2023, up 36% over 2021 and 8% over last year. 
Well, that wasn't Jeffrey Norman, but that, that is um, uh, one of the local reporters kind of teeing that up. That number is startling. Norman said this, we are seeing various crews, unfortunately, as we take one crew off, another one pops up because of the unfortunate ease of carjackings. We have to be aware of our surroundings, which is the head on the swivel. And when I was talking about some of this yesterday, people were saying that, that those exact words. When you go to Milwaukee as a visitor, tourist, worker, someone who lives in Milwaukee, you, you pretty much got to be aware of what's going on around you. You know, when, when friends come down to, to our home, which is in the city of Milwaukee, and they say, what, you know, we really don't like to leave, you know, Mequon. We don't like to leave where we live. We don't want to come down to the city of Milwaukee. I always say, oh, for goodness sakes, we live, and I always say this, we live in a good neighborhood. And I, I can't say that anymore. And the reason I can't say that anymore is because carjacking, armed carjacking doesn't know a neighborhood. And, and we, we've had them happen everywhere from the Third Ward to downtown Milwaukee to all kinds of places where uh, where you might not think you would necessarily be a victim of crime. But we have to throw out all those all those old ideas. I, I'm glad that Chief Norman's talking about this and calling it what it actually is. It is it is crews. It is groups of armed, usually I'm going to say young people, although I, I don't know what that number is either when it comes to the ages that we're talking about. But it's these crews, and, and, and they're traveling. They're going. Why would you stay and carjack somebody at 23rd and Cherry when you can go and, and do it you know, in, in some other neighborhood where you get a better car and somebody who's less likely to resist? Here's a little bit of Chief Norman talking about that. Various crews. Unfortunately, um, as we take one crew off, another one pops up because of the unfortunate ease of the carjackings for some of these individuals who, um, you know, we have to be aware of our surroundings. The number of car thefts is going down. Correct. Uh, is it those same groups? That's a little bit of, of Chief Norman there. So I, I guess I'm encouraged by some of the other declines, but this one, as you said, is a crime of opportunity. There, there are crews or individuals going around looking for the right opportunity to do these crimes and to steal cars and then doing God knows what with the cars after they get a hold of them. And, and thankfully, we haven't had homicides as a result of most of these carjackings, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, generally, since you're a communications expert, the way he's communicating, is this what a police chief in a city that has this kind of a bump in this specific crime needs to communicate? I'll tell you what. I, I, I think that the when, when he talks about the crews who are terrorizing the community, that's what we need to hear. That's what we need to do. But I think we uh, we need to hear more. Uh, you know, tell me, uh, I, I want to, you know, without divulging the playbook of the Milwaukee Police Department, what are we doing? What kinds of things? What kinds of units? What kinds of, what do we have that we've got in place? Do they have a carjacking unit or division or group? Do you know? Well, I don't know, but I know that uh, Task Force, there something? is a uh, traffic safety unit, and that was mostly to curb the reckless driving, but the reckless driving was an offshoot of the... Uh, you know, of the of the the carjacking, you steal the car, you go drive like crazy, uh, you run from the police, you see if you can get it up to 100 miles an hour. You hope that you know they don't you know hit an innocent citizen in an intersection. But have I mean, we watch the news, Steve, you and me, right? What uh, what are you seeing whenever they show these reckless driving cases? What do we usually find out? The people bail. I mean, I'm thinking about these these poor people. Uh, let's look at how it you know how it affects you know affects us. Thelma Carroll Wine, a, a local business in Walker's Point, 
haven't been, even been open that long. Got a got a reckless driver that ends up plowing through the front of the store. Destroyed the business. Destroyed the business. And now this uh, this couple that has put everything into the business is having to, you know, pick up and figure out how do we how do we put it back together? That's the real impact that these things are having on our on our communities. And uh, I'm I, I would like to hear, as I say, I you know, you're asking me questions that I don't know the answers to, which are, is there a unit? Are we doing something? I don't think letting us know about those things are, are you know, give away the give away the store. This is why I've, I've invited uh, Chief Norman on the show, and I will t- continue to do that because I, I think these are questions that the public has. If we're going to be asked to treat this Milwaukee, visiting Milwaukee, working in Milwaukee, living in Milwaukee as business as usual, right? Don't change your behaviors because then the bad guys win. What are you doing in these areas? this one, specifically carjacking, to make us feel safe so we don't have to be always perpetually concerned or in fear of our lives. And thankfully, we haven't had mass violence related to these carjackings because that's the ugly, in some ways, the ugly ending of that story, right? They, the person gets out and they get shot or run over. That's the dangerous part about that. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and, and please don't hear this as a, as a criticism of the way that Milwaukee police are talking about this. I, I, am, I, I know that Chief Norman is as frustrated as everybody else is at, at, at what's happening. And I am, I, I know that they are sitting at seventh and state and trying to figure out what is the, what's the best way to combat this. And maybe there are things they can't share, but maybe there are things that they can. She's Annie Schwartz. I am Steve on this Wednesday edition uh, from a text line. I'll give you a chance to think about this question during the break, Annie. Milwaukee needs to do what other cities have done set up bait cars to lure these individuals. We'll discuss that and more with Annie Schwartz after this on WTMJ Now. This girl is on fire. I think in the business they call that walk-up music. Annie Schwartz, my guest, law enforcement and communications expert on this Wednesday edition. So you got a little background and a little, uh, little feedback on our conversation about carjacking. I do. I'm hearing uh, from a, a detective uh, that works at uh, or worked at MPD who has some some interesting thoughts, and I, I kind of like this. The, the perpetrators of the carjacking crime don't view jumping into an unoccupied but running, co- but running car any different than using a gun to pull somebody out of the car. So in their mind, it's the same thing. The, the, they don't view a, a mere stolen auto any different than a carjacking. Hmm. And, and I, I think that's interesting. This is from a detective who has interviewed a lot of these Young people who have been arrested for either carjacking or, I mean, which is an armed robbery, right? Or people who have, uh, you know, stolen a car, jumped in a, a car that was running in the driveway when nobody was in there. It's funny, because, not funny, it's, it's interesting that you, you see this, this rise at the same time we see 18% drop in arson, 12% drop in theft, 17% decrease in property crimes, that sort of suggests that some of the efforts of the Milwaukee Police Department are working, right? I mean, those numbers, that, that's a trend that I can embrace. Absolutely. And I, I think that when we, when we look at Chief Jeff Norman, we look at a chief who is, who is listening to the community and who knows, as is the mayor, who knows that they are accountable to getting out in front of people at community meetings or wherever they might be to answer the question, what are you guys doing? So they are, they, they, they are, they're working hard. They're doing what they can with what they have. Uh, you know, and I, and I, I hate to be the broken record, 
but if you want more cops on the street to have more of these special details or special units, you want more patrols in certain areas, that means more police officers, people. And we're back to that discussion. Yeah, we've so. had that discussion over the last couple of months that, you know, there was a missed opportunity with the grant. There was some expectation that uh, we, we at least apply for the grant $50 million that would supply additional officers. There was a pushback that's saying we couldn't we couldn't have trained those officers anyway. I didn't buy that then, and I still don't buy it. I think we have to do everything we can to maximize the number of men and women serving in those positions. They're, I know they're busy because I talked to a lot of these folks away from the show. I run into them all the time. And they're busy. And they are, they're frustrated as well because they realize, like I realize, and I think most of the people listening today realize, if you have additional people on the streets to do some of these things, you, you should see a corresponding decline in the numbers. It's not perfect. You know, you, you mentioned the homicide's a personal crime, right? You can't control everyone's behavior. But certainly the response or the efforts by law enforcement, public safety, to, to do a little bit extra on some of these things like... Uh, carjacking, like reckless driving. We're seeing actual physical changes to the roadways with, with I guess, limited results, right? We're trying to change the, the streetscape of Milwaukee to slow cars down. Some of that can work, but as our, as our friends in the morning show were talking about this morning, when you're driving through areas that have these, you know, these stanchions that are plastic and yeah. they're, all, they're all mowed down. Yeah. One, it's an eyesore, and two, it's pretty much defeated the purpose. Something we in the investigative parlance call a clue. When those are right. laying down on the yeah. side of the road, maybe there's video that shows who who mowed them down. Well, I don't know. I you know if you're, we have uh, you know I remember I saw a story on a local station last night about the flock cameras, and that is one of the tools that we need. the 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 point of the story was actually why can't the Milwaukee, why can't police in general in southeastern Wisconsin tell us where these things are? Well, I don't know that you need to look any further than the fact that. We need as many tools as we can that we don't take out an ad about. So on, in one breath, I'm saying, what are you guys doing about this? However, in the other breath, we have to say there are things that are happening behind the scenes. There is some inside baseball that's not discussed. we got to take another break here, but I, I want the folks in law enforcement public safety to know I'm not blaming them. No. At all. And I understand, because of these conversations I've had both in studio and away from the studio, how hard that job is, and it gets getting harder every day mm-hmm. because for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. One of them, resources. The other one, sometimes public acceptance of that job, given all the things and stories we've talked about. So I'm not in any way mm-hmm. condemning their work because their work is still the same. Yes, same. Uh, you know, we're we're dealing with a with a, a group that's that's out there doing these these carjackings and stealing a car. It is just the means to an end. They just they just want to get a car. I'm going to take a break here, but I want to, we're going to set up after the break a story. We're going to have a guest on in a little bit. Her name is Kate Stocks. And it's an interesting story from Germantown. There's not a lot of information yet about that, that shooting uh, at uh, Kennedy, was it Kennedy Middle, Middle School, I think is the location. Um, and then what that means going forward for that community, uh, the school community, parents, students. So we'll have that conversation, but we'll tee it up after this. Annie Schwartz, my guest, as she is most Wednesdays. If you have a question or comments, always welcome in the old National Bank Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. Annie Schwartz, my guest in studio, as she is most Wednesdays, talking about law enforcement, public safety, from the communication side. And uh, we're going to shift gears a little bit. There was a shooting in uh, Germantown, Wisconsin. Kennedy Middle School, highly publicized. We don't have a lot of information yet, Annie. 
but involved the Kennedy Middle School and uh, the police officers on scene acted professionally and appropriately and took down this shooter because they didn't know what they were dealing with. And we don't still have a ton of information on this. No, we don't have basically any information at all, because I think what the big question is in these things is always who was the suspect. Um, and and I think that that's a that's a, a question that's still that's still hanging out there. So we're going to bring into the conversation your friend Kate Stocks. She's a local mental health professional who knows something about what is said to students and adults in these types of situations. And we welcome the show, Kate Stocks, on the Tri-County Contracting Hotline. Hi, Kate. Good morning. Morning, Kate. Good morning, Annie. <laughs> so glad you could join us. You know, one of the uh, the things, our, so our, our, our listeners are probably thinking, okay, it's a mental health professional who's going to talk about what uh, what happens in the wake of these school shootings. But there's a little more to it for you than that. In, in 1993, you and I were actually at the same place at the same time, but in different roles. Right. So I was... Walk us through that. Yeah, I was at, I was at Wauwatosa West High School as a reporter when Dale Brightlow, the assistant principal, was shot and killed in the school. You were a student in a classroom in that building at that time. Can you tell us about, right. that, about that day, about the trauma that you experienced and what you remember? Well, and as, as a student who was there, it, it's interesting how trauma works, is that I remember all of the events very clearly in the moments before we knew what happened, and then after everything is sort of a blur in terms of my memory. Now, of course, um, there were other students who incurred far more trauma than I did. There was a fellow student who attempted to uh, resuscitate and revive um, Mr. Brightlow, um, one of his, I mean, um, Mr. Brightlow had children in the Wauwatosa School District, his own children, who have now had to live the rest of their life without their father. Um, but it's interesting that, you know, uh, a lot a lot of students do feel like, you know, the school does become their home away from home. It's a place where you're, you expect to be safe. And so when something does not go according to plan, it leaves a mark. So, Kate, that instance, it was a principal, vice principal being killed. In this case, it's a individual who's acting erratically in a parking lot. He climbs up on the roof, shoots at the officers. They discharge their firearms, killing him. Is there still a piece for the students that say, we're concerned, we're, we don't know what happened here, and a lot of us are still asking that question, and, and the role of mental health professionals in kind of figuring that out for them? Um, definitely. I think that, um, first of all, my understanding is that um, the students in the Germantown School District have um, uh, counselors available who are trained in, in trauma incidents and trauma effects. It doesn't matter what the trauma is. Trauma impacts people's mental health and physical health in very similar ways to different degrees on an individual level. Um, in this case, also, um, the mitigating factors worked. The doors to the school were locked. Uh, my understanding is that the individual attempted the school doors first and was not able to get in. And also the police responded amazingly. Um, we could not be, I think, in the community could, could not be more happy with how the police responded to this incident. And it, it went the way it was supposed to. On the flip side, you know, these are middle school children, so younger than I was when the incident happened at my high school. Um, these are middle school children. There was children in the building at the time when it happened. And I think just hearing the gunfire and being in that situation in the building where they heard that, didn't know what was happening, could be traumatic for some of them. And some of them, it might might be nothing. 
Um, it's a very individual process. So you you touched on something, Kate. You said you know that that counselors are available to the students, right? I mean, and and we hear that every time there is one of these mass casualty incidents or when there is even just a, a single shooting at a at a school, we say counselors are available. I, I guess from a from a layman's point of view, what does that mean? What what is the function of a of a school counselor during at times like these when when mental health professionals come? And, and work with the kids or their families? Sure, absolutely. That's a great question. Um, one of the things that I, I would hope, um, I don't know the, the specific training of the school counselors in the Germantown School District. What I do know is that counselors and therapists who are trained in trauma-informed care all get the same training and certification in terms of how trauma impacts the body. It has emotional, cognitive, and physical effects on individuals. It can impact a person's limbic system, then, you know, neurotransmitters, um, breathing, and just general functioning regulation can be disrupted. Mm. Um, and so regardless of what the trauma is, um, the therapists or counselors are generally trained in how to assist the individuals in processing what just happened to them, what they saw, what they heard, and what's happening to them physically, emotionally, and biologically, and all the others. So we always want to tell people, you know, well, what can I do? Well, how does that help me? What, what do you think parents can, what can parents look out for? So maybe there are parents that say, you know, my, my, my child wasn't even at, at the school last night when this, uh, or whatever, when this occurred. My, my child wasn't even there, but all the kids are probably talking about it. School has been closed for the remainder of the week. What kinds of things do you think parents can do? I think the first thing is try to have uh, intelligent, calm discussions about this incident with their kids, direct conversations. Additionally, I think parents can watch for any um, anything abnormal in their children's behavior or presentation that could indicate something is going on under the surface, whether that's my child seems a little bit more spacey than usual. Um, you know, I've noticed that she's she or he is having trouble breathing, you know, it could be maybe a very noticeable panic attack that somebody is having. Um, but maybe just heightened awareness on the part of the parents really tuned in to, you know, ch children have trouble verbalizing things sometimes, and especially at that middle school age. So being tuned into their behavior and watching for anything abnormal. You're listening to Law Enforcement Hour on WTMG now. Andy Schwartz, Steve, and our special guest, Kate Stocks, local mental health professional. Kate, can you stay on the line? I want to ask you sort of an overview uh, p uh, question about mental health in general. Can you stay on the line for us? I sure can. All right, we'll take a break here. You're listening, of course, to WTMJ now. Right, it's a law enforcement hour every Wednesday, 9 o'clock. Andy Schwartz, law enforcement communications expert, joins us. And our special guest today, Kate Stocks, a local mental health professional. And Anna and I were talking during the break, um, Kate, about mental health and how it relates to some of the stories like this in Germantown. But here's the, sort of a big picture question. So we, we devote a lot of time, hopefully resources, energy talking about our countries, our children's mental health. So from the perspective of a mental health professional, is it getting better or worse? And if it's getting worse, what are we, what are we all missing here? Um, well, I, I, you know, I'm not sure if you're asking about if there's enough availability of mental health professionals. That's part or, of it, certainly, certainly. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I would, I would go out on a limb and suggest we never have enough 
Um, I, I think it's anybody fair. can benefit from counseling and therapy, whether they've experienced a, a traumatic event or not. Um, people can also get brief counseling. So anybody who experienced the incident in Germantown can certainly just go for four to six sessions with a therapist or counselor just to check in. How am I processing this? Kate, I'm curious to know, 30 years ago is how long we are away from the, in fact, 30 years this year uh, from yes. the shooting at, at Wauwatosa West. Can I, can I ask without, you know, without ripping open or ripping off the, the scab here, how have you processed that over the years? I'm curious to know. I, I, you, I, I was telling Steve during the break, I said, you know, full disclosure, you and I are friends. I never knew mm-hmm. this. I never knew this. And I'm just wondering mm-hmm. how you've processed being so close to something so deadly as a young person. Well, I think one advantage I had was, um, like, like we mentioned, I was a senior in high school. Uh, this incident in Germantown affected middle schoolers. Developmentally, there's a big difference between middle schoolers and high schools and certainly between middle schoolers and somebody who's in their senior year of high school. So there's an emotional um, and neurological development advantage there. Um, the other, you know, situation, too, um, it didn't happen right away. School was closed for a period of time, so our entire schedule, our entire lives were uh, thrown up in the air for a while. Uh, school did not feel safe anymore. That, in that, and in those times, we didn't have the school doors locked. Uh, we didn't have metal detectors. Um, that, that sort of situation, it was just very different 30 years ago. Processing it just takes a lot of time. As you've mentioned, uh, this was 30 years ago. So I've had a number of times to revisit that experience, process it through different lenses, through my own professional training as well, and, you know, uh, come to a place of, of understanding and still not, you know, there's a difference between understanding um, and being okay with it and understanding and still not being okay with it. And and both are fine. Did experiencing that influence your decision to go into counseling? I'm, I'm curious to know that. Um, I think in a longitudinal sense, yes. Um, simply because um, any experience that I have that can benefit me as a practitioner with people who are experiencing something else, maybe more traumatic, is advantageous. You can honestly look uh, a patient or client in the eye and say, I know what you're going through. With this much hindsight, Kate, 30 years, do you have a a thought now, maybe at, at that time you didn't, but do you have a thought now about the media coverage of the incident? Is that something, because I was part of that and I'm not particularly proud of the of the coverage that that I did as a reporter at that time, uh, interviewing students who had just run out of school. Um, do you have some thoughts about the media coverage and maybe about what parents are letting their kids consume when they these things happen? I will say that I um, you hit on something really interesting there in that what I remember when we were finally let out of the school building because school was on lockdown. Hours later, it was dark in the evening when we were let out of school. Um, I remember a blur of television cameras and reporters. I might have been avoiding you, not knowing we would be friends later, (laughs) Um, but avoiding all of that. And I I know that I intentionally did did not watch the news coverage because I also knew the individual who had shot Mr. Brightlow. Um, So I think um, for parents, 
um, taking a little bit of a sheltering approach, at least initially, as far as news coverage would be prudent. Um, let the, the individuals sit with it for a little bit, especially because these are, like we said before, middle schoolers, they're younger, uh, developmentally more vulnerable. Yeah, that's great advice from a local mental health professional. Kate Stocks, it's uh, it's a pleasure to uh, meet you on the phone, and I appreciate you sharing some of your wisdom, both from a real-life perspective all those years ago and then certainly in what you do now. Thank you so much. I appreciate being here. Thank you, Kate. You give great insight and, and a lot of help for our viewers. Thank you. Our, our listeners, thank you. Thank you. All right. Kate Stock's joining us. Annie and I will continue the conversation. You can join us. Your thoughts, 855-616-1620. the old National Bank talk and text line. More of WTMJ now after this. As she does most Wednesdays, Annie, unless she's traveling around the world, Annie Schwartz, law enforcement communications, communications expert. I can't say the word communications apparently today. All right. So let's kind of an overview on, on what we're, we're talking about. We have the Germantown incidents. Monday nights? It was Monday night, right? Monday night. Yes. And then uh, we're still, we don't have a ton of information other than, I'm just reading right from the the, the news account, individual uh, acting erratically or crazily in the parking lot, climbs on the roof of the school, Mm -hmm. Kennedy Middle School in Germantown, shoots at officers, they engage him, he's eventually killed. Mm -hmm. That's kind of all we know. That's all we know. You know, it occurs to me, Steve, that that when I sit here and, you know, talk like I'm so smart about uh, all of these different communications issues, I'm talking about agencies where I used to work. And and I really hope the people that I worked with at those agencies don't look at me and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we just everybody's always so smart when they leave. But I have to tell you that I really do have a good perspective and I've learned to have a good perspective uh, on these on these issues because I get to talk to people from all over the country. And one of the media pieces that I saw uh, on Monday after this occurred was reports of an active shooter at a Germantown high, uh, middle school. Yeah, I think we all heard that. That is. Is there anything scarier to hear now? It doesn't mean that this wasn't a dangerous situation. Of course it was. But but and I'm and it's hard to blame the media because there was no information coming out. I think the first press release came out uh, at like midnight uh, from uh, the Department of Justice because they're the ones doing the investigation. Uh, but it's you know an, an active shooter has to be target targeting a location right for the purpose of indiscriminate killing. That's not what this guy did. All right, and and this is not you know this is just clarification so that we so we think about the words we use when we're talking about these these incidents. And you know you've got uh, you've got parents that are hearing this. Their kids are locked up in the school now. Granted, a lot of kids can text now because they have their phones in the school. But is there a scarier thing to hear? So. You know, I, 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 I wish that there would be a little more information sooner that, that helps calm the situation when it can be calmed. And, and I, 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 I realized that I was the guy that worked for the police department that said, we don't have anything. It's early in the investigation. Stop calling me. Stop asking me. But, but to that point, calling it something that you don't really know that's what this is yet is also misleading and could be dangerous sure i mean guy on a roof of a school shooting at the police with a gun right i mean you know what describe it as what do you call that yeah that's true that's true i do want to say that the the law enforcement side of this oh man tremendous job the germantown police did not waste a second in engaging 
this guy, if it's a male, I mean, we don't even know that. Uh, but they didn't, uh, they didn't waste any time in engaging him. You know, the reason I wasn't with you last week, Wednesday, I was at the International Association of Chiefs of Police Conference. And I'll tell you that this is something that we have been talking about in that group, uh, among law enforcement for decades, ever since what, Col- what Columbine. Specifically? Speaking about how do we talk during these incidents? What information do we share with the public? Um, you know, something that I remember uh, one of the chiefs I used to work with um, always used to say was first reports are always wrong. And initially, it may have appeared that this is what it was, because it, 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 it's sure what it sounded like to me. I don't know any more than anybody else does when these things happen. The late Steve Hogan, who was the mayor of Aurora, Aurora Colorado, once told me, only talk about what you know. Don't speculate. And always, always, always... Less is more. You don't have to just keep talking. And if you're if you're a police chief or if you're a mayor, if you're you know, any local leader, you don't have to keep talking. You can be concise, you can be brief, and you can actually say what you just said before, this is all we know at this time. We will update you with more information at such and such time. That's actually being a responsive communicator from a leadership perspective. That's good enough in the early stages of this. I think the public is more than understanding that there's an active situation going on. They're going to let you do their job. Our right to know doesn't supersede their right to do their damn jobs. Right. Well, and, and there's there's right to know, but there's also that concern in the community. I mean, you know, how how long was it before we knew that the subject had been neutralized, that he was deceased? You know, again, I'm... I have never been a police officer. I always got to say that one, right? But I was the person who had to talk to the officers and say, how do we tell the public about this? When do we tell the public about this? And, and I think that in, in this particular case, what did we know for sure? We knew that there was somebody who was up on the roof of a school, but did we know that? I mean, we really did not have any information except for what comes off of the scanners. And I'm, I, I don't read those accounts, but those guys, those those guys tweet and everything else uh, or X um, what you know, they're pulling information off of those sources and reporting it. We hear reports of an active shooter. I'm absolutely sure that somebody on the radio at some point said active shooter at, at Kennedy Middle School. So real quick, cause you only have like a minute. So from a uh, former spokesperson perspective and as, and from a former journalist perspective, is this a rush by the media to try to get as much as they can and maybe say things they they're really not prepared or ready to say yet because based on the information available it's again it's hard to fault the media when uh and i'm trying to remember what time this shooting happened i think it was around 6 30 or so In the evening. i mean it was a good six hours before any information came out about it at all and everything else was you know the the trench coat in the you know in the parking garage with the manila folder so, sources that kind of thing and i get it because the media have an obligation to their audiences to say here's what we know you come to us for information and now we are giving you what we know it's a t- listen this is the this is the toughest thing i do is to balance what the police want to do and their rationale for why they do it and the media and what they want and need We'll probably have a lot more information next Wednesday when Annie Schwartz joins us. Always great to see you. We'll pick it up again next week. I just love coming here. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate you coming in. All right.